That that that's that's heavy. That's uh, that's heavy. Thank you, um, Pastor DC. I call him DC. He calls me DP. We just hang like that. So uh, you can call me DP if you want. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, it is really, really good to be together, to worship together, to receive God's word together, to be and hopefully really encouraged together, especially as we are in this um, sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached. Uh, my name is Danny, or DP, um, and I'm one of the pastors here in staff at First Baptist Church, have the privilege of preaching here and leading in this space with you. It's a privilege of mine to do that. If you're new with us today, we want to say we're just thrilled you're here. Um, we know it's no small thing for you to come into a brand new place around people you're, you might not know. And we hope already that you feel very, very welcome in this space. We would like for you to let us know that you're here. And the simplest way for you to do that um, is there should be a little card right in front of you and the chair back in front of you. If you could fill that out and then hand it to me uh, right after the worship gathering, or uh, you can do it right on uh, your device. You can go to fbcsa.org slash connect and, um, or just to the homepage and there's a place for you to connect and kind of leave us a little bit of info to say, hey, I worshiped with you today, and it gives us an opportunity to connect with you at a later time. But our mission as a church family is uh, to faithfully follow our Lord Jesus Christ and lead all others in a joyful life with him. And I say this, the mission statement every week, but I also say this, we're really um, eager for that to bear fruit more and more in our church family. And not just as individuals, but as a church family to learn how to join God in his kingdom mission in our communities, all across the city, and even to the ends of the earth. We want to be faithfully living out kingdom mission as a church right here in the heart of San Antonio. And um, my prayer is that all of us uh, make, it, uh, make that our ambition together to grow together um, in that way. We ask that you continue to give to further that mission through this church family. You can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash give, or you can even give. We have these little, little boxes around the room, um, and you can drop that off there as well. But join us in what God is doing. Um, so we have been in the Sermon uh, on the Mount for uh, several weeks now, and as I mentioned, this is Jesus's greatest sermon. It is the greatest sermon. And um, I, I want to um, share with you a psalm. And I've, I've shared with you before in the past that reading a psalm as a part of my quiet time is a normal rhythm for me. And this week I was in Psalm 52. And the reason I want to read Psalm 52, or just a small portion of it, is it was just a reminder. Uh, to me of what God desires for me in my life uh, and his provision. So let me just read a portion of Psalm 52. This is just the last three, last two verses. It says this, I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name 
in the presence of your faithful people. I love that image of that flourishing olive tree in the house of God. It gives us that picture of fruitfulness and thriving in the life that God provides. So can I remind you this morning that God longs for us to flourish. Uh, He wants you to know what real life is all about. And to experience real life in the kingdom of God. In part now, and as faithful followers of Jesus in fullness later when Christ returns. But he wants you to flourish. He wants you to thrive. And already in the Sermon on the Mount, we know, we know that God is keenly aware of our need. Uh, Jesus has said it more than once. He's gonna say it again today. God already knows our need. We have a God who knows our need and cares about the things that we face in life. God knows about our own frailty, our own brokenness, even our own sin. Uh, He knows how fear and worry and anxieties rise in our life. God knows these things. God knows these things. That's why Jesus will say, come to me, all who carry a lot of burdens and who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That God wants us to come to a place in our life of flourishing and thriving. It doesn't mean there's not work to be done. It doesn't mean there's not hard things that we face. But we can come to this place in our journey with Jesus that it feels like we are at rest with him. Already we've been learning about what kingdom life is about, the the values of the kingdom and the beatitudes. We've been learning about kingdom ways, not to orient our life around the pursuit of money and and stuff. And, And Jesus is saying, can I just tell you, that's where real rest is found, that's where real life is found, that's where real flourishing is found, is in following me hard after the kingdom of God. What a beautiful invitation. This morning is no different as he continues with this theme of, of pursuing the kingdom. Uh, he's pursuing this keen, uh, theme of trying to help unload anxiety and fear for us. And so I want to read uh, this passage again. I'm going to begin in verse 24 of chapter 6. If you have a hard copy of the Word of God, would you go ahead and open that up with me? This is Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse uh, 25. This is right after he's talked about don't be enslaved to money, right? He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have a, wow, that's huge. Don't worry about everyday life. He says, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? I mean, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't 
work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these sayings, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. He said that multiple times already. So seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This morning I wanna do uh, hopefully some really simple things. Uh, As Jesus challenges us here in how to deal with our anxiety and fears and worries that accompany everyday living uh, in a broken world, Um, he provides some very straightforward principles. He does so by asking questions. So I really want to just identify four principles. Um, And then I want to provide some disclaimers uh, of of things that Jesus is not saying with these principles. And and lastly, hopefully, uh, to help us make sense of what Jesus is saying, I want to tell you a few stories from the Bible um, about Jesus and his life and teaching to help us fit some of these principles together. So the first principle I want to mention is right in verse uh, 25 where he asks the question at the end of that verse, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And here's the principle. Your life is more than what you eat and what you drink. What you put on the table, what you put in your mouth, uh, the, the clothes that you wear, the kingdom life is far more than food and clothing. Now, the world wouldn't have us believe that. Um, I was about to say magazines, but magazines, I learned this week, are really on the way out, by the way. No more Sports Illustrated. Um, um, but uh, media, social media, I mean, there is this trend for a while. I don't know if it's popular now, people taking pictures of their food. Do we still do that? Yeah, you still, and that's not a bad thing to do, by the way. I think God wants us to enjoy good food. I think when Jesus comes back and there's a new heaven, a new earth, we're gonna have the best food ever, uh, the best recipes ever. Um, but the world would have us believe that uh, what we put on, the dress, dress that we wear, the food that we eat should occupy so much energy and time. It, we should invest much of our worry and much of our energy and time to what we eat and what we wear. In fact, listen, uh, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna say this with lots of fear and trembling. I, I live in a house, I'm the only guy in my house. I, I live in a house of wonderful, incredible uh, young ladies. Um, but I, I recognize there's a lot of investment and time in picking out the right stuff to wear. And that's not all bad, but a part of what Jesus is saying is, you know, so much of that mental energy and time invested and what you put on and what you eat robs us of what God may want us to do. I mean, can you imagine exchanging maybe 30 minutes of thinking about what you're going to wear tomorrow into how am I going to love my neighbor tomorrow? 
right? I think that's part of what Jesus is saying. Your life is more than what you put on tomorrow, the right outfit tomorrow, or worrying about what what you're gonna eat tomorrow. Think about the kingdom. Use that energy and time today to invest in the kingdom of God. The second principle he says is this, is that your life is valuable. Again, he uses a question in verse 26. He says, um, Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? You know, he uses the example of the birds. He says, aren't you more important than they are? Aren't you more valuable than they are? Isn't that great to hear? That our Father in heaven says to us, I want you to know that you're pretty important to me. That your life is valuable. And if that's the case... Jesus is saying, if, if, if God the Father is bent towards you because he value you, values, values you, then why can't you just trust that he's gonna provide for your need? Why, why can't you just rest in that? Rest in that. You are valuable to the heart and mind of God. You're pretty important He made you in his image. And if that's true, he cares about the needs that you have and providing and meeting those needs. Listen, I know kind of what that's like as a dad. I'm keenly aware of the needs that my family has. Food, clothing, among other things. And I know as a dad, whether we have a lot or a little, depending upon the season that we're in, I will do everything in my ability to provide exactly what my girls need. Now, that's true of me. How much more is that true of our Heavenly Father who knows our need even before we ask for them? Your life's important to God. The third principle in Matthew six twenty seven, he says this, um, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Living anxiously is not addition. Worry and fear and anxiety never adds, it always takes away. Jesus wants us to know that. Now again, this is, this is not Jesus just uh, condescending to us, oh, I can't believe you would worry, be anxious about stuff. No, Jesus is aware of real life in a broken world. He knows we're frail. He knows we're like grass, here today, gone tomorrow. He recognizes that anxiety is very real. Fears are very real. Worries are very real. And more than ever in our culture, we feel like anxiety is on the rise and fear is on the rise everywhere. It's not that Jesus is condescending to that and just like, be a grown-up, get rid of it. He doesn't think your fears and anxieties are silly and childish. But what he does want us to say is, you know, all that fear and worry, all that time and energy that your mind is bent on that one thing in your life, looking right so you feel accepted by your peers, or he says, that just, robs from you, it doesn't give anything to you. You can't add a single moment to your life by giving it to worry and anxiety. It's not addition, it's subtraction. 
It always takes away from life today. And then he says in verse 33, he says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. He gets to the point. He says, listen, I know fear and anxiety is real, but know that God, your father, knows your need and actually cares for you. You're more valuable than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And anxiety and fear doesn't add anything to your life. So therefore, live for the kingdom in the moment you're given today and trust God that will provide you exactly what you need today. Today. Live for God's kingdom. We know that's true. We know that's true. That in living for God's kingdom, we can hand over our fear and worry. And this is why I say that. When Christ returns, and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and the dead in Christ rise, and we are ushered into eternity with him, perfect fellowship and harmony with the creator of the universe and perfect harmony and fellowship with one another, we are not gonna be preoccupied with the worries and anxieties of this world. We're not gonna be thinking about what am I gonna eat tomorrow? What am I gonna wear? Am I gonna have the, I've already worn these jeans twice this week and I wear them another day this week. What are people gonna think? None of those worries are gonna be on our mind. And Jesus says, if eternity is not thinking about what you're gonna put on your plate, if you're gonna have enough tomorrow, if you're gonna have the right shirt or outfit, then by all means, don't let it consume you today. Live for God's kingdom today because that's what you're gonna be doing for all of eternity. Do what is important today. Now, God isn't saying that those things aren't important. He knows we need to eat and we need to have clothes. He's saying, I just want you to live for what is most important and trust that God is gonna provide all these things for you because he cares for you. Four disclaimers. We're gonna do these disclaimers quickly. First, an anxiety-free, worry-free life or a fully faithful, trusting Jesus life doesn't mean uh, that we get lots of stuff. And all these things shall be added to you. This is not some some formula that somehow if I can nix worry and fear and I can really believe today and trust God today that he's gonna provide the big house, all the restaurants I wanna go to and a full wardrobe. That's not what, what Jesus is saying. This is not health, wealth, gospel. Somehow if I can just muster up right enough faith, then God will just, just give me all the stuff that I want. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that an anxious, free life, a fully faithful life, that it doesn't result in a life free, a life free of hard tomorrows. A simpler way to say that is living for the kingdom today doesn't mean we're not going to have a hard tomorrow or a hard today. That wondering where how our needs are going to be met today we know that's true we know that's not what jesus is saying that somehow if we have enough faith that that our days are going to be a breeze because that's not how jesus's life was jesus did not occupy his mind with these kind of things and yet he lived a very hard life he died he went to the cross he didn't have a house pillow to lay his head he had nowhere to rest he depended upon others 
to make sure the disciples' needs were met and his needs were met. A life of faith doesn't mean we are hardship-free. Thirdly, the third disclaimer is um, an anxiety-free life doesn't mean we do nothing today. Um, Jesus isn't, isn't saying that, listen, just put faith in God and don't work. Uh, just, just believe, and God's just going to plop it down and give you everything you need. No, the, the expectation is, is, as faithful followers of Jesus, we, we do the work he's provided us to work. I mean, even Paul said, listen, yeah, Jesus may come next week, but don't be a burden to anybody. Get to work. Get to work. And so our days are full of meaningful work. Even the birds of the air, they woke up in the morning and went out and worked and found their food that God provided for them. And so this doesn't mean that we just sit around and do nothing. No, we work with the work that he's given for us today. Uh, The last disclaimer is an anxiety-free life doesn't mean we live unwisely that we just foolishly use the resources God has given us today. Well, God said he's gonna take care of me tomorrow. I shouldn't even worry about tomorrow, so let me just spend it all. No, he says, no, you wanna think about, you wanna count the cost down the road. You wanna be wise with the resources that I've given you. Um, we don't live foolishly as if to test God. Well, let me just see if God's gonna honor his word by meeting all of my needs tomorrow. And then I'm just, I'm just going to throw everything away today. No, that's, that's not what Jesus is talking about. What, what does this look like in real life? So a few stories that I think get to what Jesus is really talking about, living for the kingdom above all else today. Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at that well. His disciples are off finding food because they need to eat and they're hungry. And he has this incredible encounter with this woman at the well, and I'm not gonna go through all of that, but he ends up offering her living water. He's talking about himself. If you knew who you were talking to, you would ask water from me. Um, He reveals to this woman that he indeed is the Messiah, and she rushes off and um, because of the things that she knew about his life. She believed that he was a Messiah, told the whole town, and the town, all, the whole town is transformed by this encounter with Jesus with this, with this woman. But what's interesting is when the disciples come back after this encounter, the disciples are really concerned about Jesus not having eaten. And they begin to urge him to eat. Jesus, you need to eat, you need to eat, you need to eat. And Jesus says this, he says, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. He says, my nourishment comes from living the kingdom in the present. Now, Jesus had a real need. He needed to eat. But in that moment, he's declaring to them, the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. It's about fulfilling what he's called me to do in the moment, and in the moment, there was this woman in front of me who needed to encounter the Messiah to receive living water. Maybe that's what Jesus is talking about, that there is a, as we live for the kingdom of God, there is another kind of nourishment that God provides, namely 
Jesus himself. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, you know the story. He cares for these people, up to 5,000 men plus women and children, a whole bunch of people. Not prompted, Jesus says, hey, listen, we need to figure out a way to feed these folks because they're hungry. They need to eat. And, of course, he said that to kind of test the disciples. And he ends up multiplying the fish and the loaves. He meets their need because he knows they're needing. He cares for these people. And they pick up 12 baskets of leftovers. Later, after Jesus and the disciples and Jesus miraculously, miraculously crossed the, the lake, this, many of the same crowd that had received uh, that miracle of the fish and loaves were trying to find Jesus. So they, they find Jesus on the other side um, of, of the lake, uh, the sea, and, um, and they begin to have this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus says, the only reason you're hanging around here is because you're, you want more food to eat. He says, you're looking for me because you want more to eat. And then Jesus says something really profound. He says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. Don't be so worried about things that are here today and gone tomorrow that you completely miss what you need most right in front of you. That's what Jesus was saying. You came here for more bread and fish, but I'm the bread from heaven. And if you want eternal life, you need to sink your teeth into me. You must eat of my body and drink of my blood, which really messed people up when he said stuff like that. But what Jesus is saying is what you need most to know the kingdom of God is me. If you want to be sustained through a tough marriage, if you want to be sustained and navigate a, a tough vocation, if you want to be sustained and learn how to navigate the friendships around you and the complicated relationships that you're in, that you need me more than you need that outfit or food. You need me. Don't worry about those things. You need me. Mary and Martha Y'all know this story. Mary and Martha in their home were receiving Jesus and the disciples. Mary was preparing the table, cooking in the kitchen, doing all the hard work. She was managing all the details. She's an event planner. She does really good work. She's good at what she does. Mary is consumed with the thought of Jesus being in her home. When he arrives, she sits at his feet, receives his teaching. Martha's been out of shape. Martha comes to Jesus. Do you see what... Do you see what Mary's doing while I'm here toiling, managing all the details, making sure the food is where it needs to be and everyone has something to drink and all the needs are met? She's there just sitting at your feet. Will you please tell her to get up and manage the details with me? And Jesus says what to her? Martha, you're so caught up managing all the details that you can't even see me right in front of you. Maybe that's what... Jesus is kind of getting after. That kingdom life is about living in the moment with the people right in front of you. And then that when we give ourselves to the kingdom rather than worry and anxious about all the little details, that Jesus says, you can trust that I'll provide, but don't lose sight of knowing and sinking your teeth into me and don't lose sight of loving your neighbor as yourself. Don't miss the people in front of you. Live 
the kingdom in the moment today and trust that I will take care of the real needs that you have. Lastly, Paul describes a scenario. Now, this was a real issue in the first century world as people were coming to faith uh, in Jesus, people out of the pagan world that, uh, you know, they were going to temple and sacrificing food to idols and uh, having these festivals and banquets where they would eat the food that were sacrificed to idols. So these new believers were really wrestling with, do we still... Do we still eat the meat sacrificed to idols? And so Paul is trying to help them understand and how to live life with others that have various ideas of what they can eat and uh, uh, what they can eat and what they can't eat and all that kind of stuff. And so he's helping them navigate and make those kind of real life decisions. But he says this, he says this, he says, can I, can I just tell you that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking? I think this is kind of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter six. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, Paul says this, I will gladly give up my right to eat whatever I want for the sake of loving my brother. I'm not gonna worry about what I put in my mouth I'm gonna be primarily concerned about the kingdom. How do I love this person right in front of me who's wrestling with real stuff? How do I love them? So I'm gonna say, I don't need to eat that thing. That can cause my brother to stumble. I'll give it up, I'll give it up. Kingdom of God's not about eating or drinking. That's what Jesus is saying. Live for the kingdom of God. I'll take care of everything else. Take care of everything else. Live for the kingdom. Anxiety can keep us and worry can keep us from the things that are meant to serve us, like food and clothing, are meant to serve our life, not to be life. But anxiety can keep us from loving the people right in front of us because we're so caught up in our fear and worry and anxiety. Jesus says, can you just trust me and lay it down so that you can live the kingdom right here with this person? Spiritual maturity is not how many verses we have memorized or how many Bible studies we have attended. Spiritual maturity is the God-given, Holy Spirit-inspired ability to pause when those anxieties and worries and details rise. And we breathe And we acknowledge that those feelings and worries and anxieties are very real. But we breathe and pause long enough to consider, despite what I'm feeling and the rise of the... Jesus says, breathe. I know those fears are real. I know the anxiety you're feeling is real. But will you just breathe for a minute and pray? 
you hand that over to me, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest? Will you, will you just pause and breathe long enough to hand this over to me and then ask, how, do, how can I love this person in front of me? How can I live the kingdom? How can I live the values of the kingdom of gentleness and humility and trust right now, today? Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Let's pray. Father, um, you know everyone in this room. You know the details of their life. You know the things they're facing, the worries and fears that they have. Lord, it's hard for us to, to really get it that living is not about eating and drinking, about those details of our life that can rob us of, of joy and presence and kingdom living. Help us to hand those over to you and help us to live for your kingdom today in the present with the people around us. You do that. You alone can do that in our life. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Will you stand with us? Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and tell.